to the Finger Guns Podcast. My name's Roscoe, and this is episode 216. It's a real pleasure to have you here today. Joining me is the one and only Yog Dog. Hello, Oh, wow. That was weird. Hey, bud. How are you doing? Well, I got taken over by some weird American radio presenter, and that was very strange. I was wondering on the voice. I was like, where's Ross? Well... Oh, just, 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 just a transformation. You know how these things go. Uh, how are you, man? All good here. All good here. Uh, it's been a pretty fun week of gaming. Um, some of it I can talk about. Some of it I can't. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been a pretty good week. I'm pretty well. Uh, I am about to be nine hundred quid out of pocket, but you know, that's how it is. Let's <laughs> uh, go. You're buying two PS fives. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay, cool. Very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. And rounding off the group in our very small little podcast this week, it's Kat. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. If I have like a slight little cough, I'm very, very sorry. I'll try and mute myself where I'm as be. But uh, yeah, other than that, I'm good. How the devil are you? Well, thank you so much for asking. I'm very well. Thank you. I've uh, had a day off work. I've um, very nice. Kicked back, relaxed, and um, watched some movies. And it's been uh, very it's nice. Been nice and chilled. Very much enjoyed today. Very after, nice. Very very nice. After a long weekend, but yeah, I'm good. Um, I should should explain. Josh is off getting married or whatever. Congratulations to Josh. What you got married today. What? Well oh, done. Dad. How, how dare you? I mean, yeah, congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> he timed it terribly. But um, yay to Josh. Congratulations, sir. Bravo. Um, salutations. I don't know what people say at weddings. But yay, well done. <laughs> Have a lovely time. You whatever you're, you're doing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that made me laugh more than I thought it would. Um are you right there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine, there you go. I need some water. Um, water? And, uh, water. And uh, and Miles went to the old Limp Biscuit last night, and he hasn't made it back in time for the pod. So there we go. No, he has not. My uh, my mate no, like... I met, mentioned last week, he went there. He, he got a bit drunk. Just, just a little Did bit they, drunk. Is he a bit hungover today? He is, and his voice is destroyed. And he ended up texting me some random stuff so like yeah he sounds like he had a wonderful night <laughs> that pendulum was there as well good time that's crazy As, mm. um, have you heard from Miles is he alright is he still alive yeah he's on the train he's got a hot chocky on the train and I've never really known him to get a hot chocky on the train so maybe the Limp Biscuit concert has changed him too <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can leave a Limp Biscuit show without something changed um, yeah maybe not whether it be your mentality on life or something broken, um, like I said, I'm convinced that when I came out of Limbiscuit, that was the start of my back issues. Um, Maybe, yeah. I was jumping up and down at 31, I probably shouldn't have been doing that. But, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I jumped up and down, and I am 31. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I've been. I saw a review of Limbiscuit, and for all intents and purposes, it was a really good show. So uh, good stuff. Very nice. Very nice. Um, how far is he from Taunton? Last time we spoke. Um, he should get in around ten too, but then because I'm here, um, he has to walk his ass back. So oh. <laughs> I'll probably be back at around twenty past. <clears throat> so past poor, nine. Poor Miles. 
Four miles. Has to do a little walky walk in the darky dark. <laughs> it's not dark, but you know, you'll be fine. It, is it is it raining, Rack? It's been absolutely pouring it down here again <clears throat> today. No, luckily it's not raining. It's very dry and it's very bright, so he should be safe. And if anybody tries to touch him, I will fuck them up. Yeah. But little do people know that if if you if you're gonna fight me or Miles, you should choose Miles. Oh, uh, it's exactly the same with me and my girlfriend. Uh, uh. <laughs> I might be small, but I'm feisty. <laughs> Can confirm. Can confirm. Mm. Can confirm. Um, yeah, good old Miles. It'll be a safe little boy walking home. Good for him. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> right then. Um, well, Miles is not here, so uh, we uh, we have no quiz this week. So we're gonna go. Hang on, where are we? No, we've got the game of the week first. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself. It's game of the week time. Oh, Doc, what's your game of the week? Uh, my game of the week is Redacted. So my second game I love of the that week. Game. Yes, Redacted is uh, an excellent title. Um, my second game of the week, as much as I loathe to say it, is War Thunder. Which ah, is... War Thunder! <laughs> wow, yeah. you've said a game for the first time in weeks that I've actually heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, wait, you, you've heard of Dowboy before. Didn't, didn't I say that boy at some stage? Well, true, but most of the time you don't say games that people uh, know. Yeah, I do like being awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, to My be fair, War <laughs> Thunder's advertised on so many people's channels and stuff, but um, yeah, I'd be at this point, I'd be surprised if someone hasn't heard of it. Fair. Uh, I think if I was playing the game solo, I wouldn't recommend it, so I do recommend playing with friends, but if you get a few friends in, it's a lot of fun. Uh in case anyone has been living under a rock, it is essentially a shooter where instead of using guns, you use tanks or aircraft set from World War Two to the modern day. Um, it's really fun. I like it. I am terrible at it, as I am on so many things. But uh, it, when you're with mates, you got a pint in the evening and you're just relaxing a bit whilst playing it. It's fun. So, yeah, I, I very much recommend uh Giving it a go with some friends. All right, we'll do. Um, I remember, <clears throat> I think I distinctly remember me and Paul having a go when it launched on PS4 years yeah. ago. And um, he was sad that it wasn't War. Uh, was the Warhawk? Remember Warhawk from years ago? I yeah. I I do you remember Starhawk? Is was it Starhawk? I remember Starhawk. Yeah, it was kind of a spiritual sequel to to Warhawk. I remember um, the gaming website frequented at the time. There was a few people who would hardcore play Warhawk, and then they tried Starhawk and didn't like it as much. I remember playing a little bit, maybe like 20, 30 hours. But, um... Warhawk is, 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 is Paul's like, favourite game of all time. And um, he we played War Thunder, and he was like, short fucking saying that, that's a problem. Problem with it is that <laughs> it ain't got the heart, you know what I mean? It ain't got the heart. I love the heart. And it's just real it's just missing, mate. It's just missing. So yeah, we never went back to it because he was too angry of the fact that <laughs> Fair it enough. wasn't war. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, War, war Thunder is just it, it, yeah, you're right. It's one of those games that you see everywhere. And um eventually someone will break down and go, fine, I'll give it a go. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's good. It is. I mean, it has predatory microtransaction mechanics, just like every bloody game does nowadays. 
but um like if you can learn to just tune them out and ignore them like i don't mind paying for a little bit of premium time so i get a bit more money in game but i won't pay for any more than that yeah yeah um cat what is your game of the week My game of the week is a game called Save Cop. It's not that kind of cop. It's not that kind of cop. It's not that kind of game. It's not that kind of game. I don't know. Is this an R-rated um, podcast? No. <laughs> um, or Koch. Koch. I don't know. Who knows how it's fucking pronounced. It's a shit game. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no game is shit. Untrue. Um, so, Save Cock is a strategic simulation <laughs> game where essentially um, the Mafia um, has been, like there was a mole in the Mafia and he wants to kind of like, undertake the Kingpin and you play as the Kingpin. His name is Cock. And, uh, <laughs> and you are locked in a safe room trying to find out who is the mole and who is the mastermind in your team whilst also trying to simultaneously still run the city. Um, it kind of a little bit reminds me of Plague, um, you know, the like the disease one. It reminds me of a much lighter version of that, where you like pick a disease and then you've got to do loads of random shit on the screen. It's got a very similar design to Plague. Um, but essentially like the, the game is like a, a very episode like a, it's a very narrative i wouldn't say it's episodic that's the wrong term but it's like it's very narrative once over gameplay and, and it's like one and done then you restart the whole game essentially so you've six days six in-game days to find out who's who's trying to kill you and you get to pick a loyal team so there are a couple people on your team that are loyal um and you get to pick them, and they will all have different skill sets. Now, those skill sets will be really important because whilst you're running the city, you're going to need to try and find out who the mole is, and you're going to need to send out these kind of henchmen. And these henchmen might be like, I guess, like they might be quite good at thieving, or they might be good at assault or torture, or they might just be good at detective or surveillance. For example, that's the kind of starter pack that you get. And when you send someone out, they're kind of like locked out but there'll be loads of missions on the map and you have to kind of decide like which missions are important to potentially find out information of who the mole is um, or who the uh, mastermind is. So the mastermind is the person who's actually trying to take you down. The mole is the person who's like basically gathering information. Um, you get this like in your safe room, you get a phone, you get like your city map and then you get like a board where it will give you hints um, as you find them out about everybody that you've encountered and like what about them. And it'll also give you hints about like how many people on your own team have maybe failed a mission for you. So you can also accuse your own team. Um it's a really good premise and had a lot of potential, but the game just hides far too much. So, like, I've gone through, like, five playthroughs, and each playthrough is, like, an hour and a bit, and I haven't unlocked one fucking character yet because I keep coming up short on one particular storyline, and it took me about two and a bit playthroughs to realise what's important to follow, what's important not to follow, what tasks you really want to put different people on. And it's a bit strategic because once you send that person out, they're kind of locked out. And if there's another, like, if you send someone who's an assault person out to an assault and then what looks like a very important assault job comes up, they're all timed 
And so if you don't send, if you don't get your person back in time, which you can't cancel and you can't bring them back, they're just gone and knocked out until the time remains they finish that job. You can send someone else, but you'll probably fail that mission. Um, so it's it's really tricky, and every single playthrough there's a different role and a different mastermind. And something that's really infuriating is that you can go the whole hour and a bit, and you'll never know what was the right choice, and you'll never know what was the wrong choice. You just have to repeat it. You'll never know if you actually found out the mole. You'll never know if you found out the right mastermind. Um, well, you will if you stay alive, I guess. But like, other than that, it kind of gives you nothing. And that would be like all mysterious if like you didn't need to care about playing it again. But the more you play it, the less I care because I don't know if I'm going down the right route or not and everything's the same. So it's like, how many times can I be fucked to spend an hour and a bit tweaking one potential decision to not even know if that's the right decision I'm tweaking and there's a couple of instances where you can kind of get a feel for oh this is really leading me down a path here of finding out some information oh my god I found out a load of information about that person um but then it can just all blow up in your face and you're like cool now I have to do that whole thing exactly as it was apart from that one thing right at the end and it's it's a very like very tippy tappy tiptoed seesaw of balance but not in a fun way and it's it's not very rewarding and so yeah it was it's it's got potential but there was just a lot about it where I was like I'm not motivated to replay this because I'm it's kind of like you constantly don't win so it's like how well that's not fun like it's not even fun to realize like oh yeah you figured out in this one i wouldn't even i wouldn't even mind if i had like a little summary of like yeah you absolutely fucking sucked in that playthrough you know at least it's told me something about the playthrough <laughs> and i can you know get clues but uh, why would i play a game for an hour and more hours and more hours to not know any different that's not fun there <laughs> so yeah so whilst it's had a lot of potential and it's you know it's got it's got good kind of like, and the six days are like they they you know you've got a clock and you've got a timer and um blah 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 and and you can also phone anybody at any time but like you can phone anybody at any time and people will ring you as well so people will be like oi you know you you've got in my barn or blah 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 you know gal my barn and you're like no I'm not in your barn and then you're like oh, okay I'll send someone around but you might not be able to send anyone around because you might have already sent your assault guy out to do the other task that you've just done for two and a half minutes so. It's tricky. It's about this game. But for anybody who likes kind of that repetitive like loop, it might be really addictive for you um, if you like that mysterious. But um, yeah, my review will be up very soon. It just needs an editing pass and then it will be up for you guys to enjoy. I think it's just recently come out on PlayStation. I think it's been on Steam for a while. Um, the controls are fine. Yeah, it, it, it's not fiddly. Those kind of games normally need a PC to play them because of the way that you need to very timely click from one tab to another. But actually, it, it works just as well on a, on a console. It's about £10. So if that does sound interesting to you, I guess it's not too much to spend um, uh, to, to kind of figure it out and to find it out and it might be a lot of fun. But for me, it just felt like an escape room that I, that was impossible to, to get out of, essentially. Nice. I like that. What a line to end on there. An escape room Thank you. I should have put that in my review. Uh, I might, um, might edit that back in. Can confirm <laughs> the review is now live on, on Fingers.net. Oh, thank you so much. So there you go. You can you can read my review on Fingers.net. Mm. So, and you can see yeah, whether or not Cat my... did indeed save Cock. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, Ross, what is your game of the week, my dude? Um, I guess my game of the week is going to have to be Atlas Fallen. Mm. Um, it's a video game. What? Is yeah. it really? Yeah. Um, it came out this week. Um, I've been lucky enough to have had it for the last couple of weeks. Um, I've been playing it on and off whilst I've not been at work, and it's sure is something, guys. It sure is something. It's uh, it got a six out of ten from me. Um, the review is live now on FiggyGuns.net. Um, spoilers, six out of ten. Um, uh, it very nearly got a five, but I thought you know it's actually better than that, so I gave it a six. Well, I did deliberate. Tell us more. Well, it's just a mishmash of like action adventure things. So there's this great big open world. It's a deserted desert. Um, deserted desert, for fuck's sake. It's a desert that's terribly empty. And um, there's not really a lot to see. There's lots of ruins, lots of wasteland. Um, it's an open world that is frighteningly boring to explore because there's just nothing to see, um, which is a shame because open worlds that are like that unfortunately don't really get much of a pass from me because I like my open worlds full of things to do and full of places to go and people to see and people to talk to. And unfortunately, um, Atlas Fallen has gone down the route of Sonic Frontiers and just made a massive open space and put people in like the corners of each of these things without putting anything in the middle. And that's um, a real shame. It's fun to traverse. You can glide across the, uh, the sand. You can glide across the sand. You can fly in the air if you unlock it. Once you unlock it, you can sort of glide in the air. Um, it's great for combat if you're going against birds and you're up against these metal birds called wraiths and they you can take them down in the air. And that's a lot of fun. The combat, I should stress, is very good. Um, the traversal and the combat are the two things that make this game relatively fun. And the combat is very clever. It's very smart. There's a nice look-on feature. Um, it just revolves around a lot of combinations, um, aiming at particular limbs and sections of the enemy in order to take them down quicker in that kind of horizon sort of way. Um, and it's just got everything that you would expect from an open world, but it hasn't got things to do. And the story is gash. Um, it's terribly boring. Um, you play as a slave, essentially trying to free himself. And he comes across this gauntlet, and this gauntlet is alive and sentient. And it tells you what to do. It tells you to save the world and things like that. And then you have to go and get bits for the gauntlet in order to make it better. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, collecting things, looking for treasure that you walked past 20 times, but they didn't tell you that the treasure was there at that time because you didn't need it as that part of the story. Although now you need it in the story. So, hey, you go back there and there it is. It's maddening. And I unfortunately didn't like this game all that much. And I appreciate it for what it is. Visually, it's good-ish. It, technically, it stays at a steady frame rate. There's never any frame rate dips or anything like that. Um, I would expect that because there's actually not much going on on the screen, <laughs> but um, it's nice to see anyway. And it's just not what I hoped it would be, unfortunately. Um, the, the the voiceover is diabolical. I think it's the worst I've heard all year. And, you know, um, we've had Gollum this year, you know what I'm saying, and Saints Row. And this is probably the worst game of the year in order for voiceover and dialogue. Oh, that's a big claim. Yeah, worse than I'm, Gollum. I'm, 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 I'm throwing it out of there. I'm going to stick my flag in that particular land and say, this is the worst performed game of the year. Um, It's just not good. It's just not good. It's really cringy. Um, it's either really dramatic, really over the top, or it's really subdued. And they sound like they're bored. They sound like they don't want to be there. And it just, it's very obvious and, very, and it's very clear. And 
unfortunately, as a package, it's just not what I wanted it to be. And so, um, yeah, it got a six out of ten. It's not terrible. There are, like I said, the combat is fun. Um, the traversing the massive open world is fun because you get to glide and fly and stuff. You know, it's, it, it it is fun to explore, but it's just nothing to find in this open world, which is unfortunate. Um, and that's its biggest issue is that it's, it feels very barren and feels very empty. And, you know, for your time right now with all the great games that are currently out, it just doesn't hold a candle to what is available. Um, so if you want to spend your time playing them instead, I would recommend going off and checking something else out other than Atlas Forum, in my opinion. And your opinion is very important. Thanks, man. That's very nice of you to say. Um, yeah, it's got it's got about sixty two, I think, on Metacritic. So I'm about the same with everyone else, which is quite nice. Was that one we put on the uh, one on, on the Metacritic score list? I uh, think it was. Was it? It is. Yeah, I have. It... I have. I have updated it. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Um. So, yes, I've updated that. I've also added Baldur's Gate three as well, and added to that. Um, didn't win either of them, so that's annoying. But never mind. Oh, I'm interested in who did win, though. Ah, uh, well, we'll find out in December. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find out in December. So, yeah, there you go. Atlas Fun. I've also been playing Fortnite. Um, they've got a Jiu-Jitsu Kaizen season going on right now. There's a little crossover event happening. Um, if you're listening and you know what Jiu-Jitsu Kaizen is, um, it's great for fans of Jiu-Jitsu Kaizen. Um, there's a whole new battle pass just for Jiu-Jitsu Kaizen. And, um, yeah, it's added some cool weapons to the island and added some uh, some cool story bits and it's fun if you're into that I mean I have a very small understanding of what Jujutsu Kaisen is, it's an anime that's as much as I know um, they did a similar thing with Dragon Ball Z a while back and Dragon Ball Z's weapons were really cool and that additional battle pass was fun to work through but again I'm too old to know what Jujutsu Kaisen is however it has added fun stuff to the island so um, this this uh, Season of Fortnite is closing, I think, in a couple of weeks. So this is a nice ending to a what has been a somewhat disappointing season. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, as ever, um, once uh, season four arrives in a couple of weeks' time. Um, right then, let's get on with the news. And then, again, it's been another quiet week, so we're going to be a bit in and out on this uh, on this pod this week. But uh, we have had a nose at certain things, and. The biggest thing that happened this week, of course, was the THQ showcase, um, which showed off a barrage of wonderful things, um, including games that even Yog Dog wants to play. I mean, can you believe such a thing? Um, I'm going to go to you first, actually, man, because, well, I think I think the, the the listeners should know what on earth you want to play from a showcase because we always do these things for you. We go, this is groundbreaking. It is, and it's more than one as well. Yes, there is. It's actually three whole games. Jesus Christ, alive! <laughs> Let's do this! So, I didn't watch the thing live. I have watched a few of the trailers and stuff ever since. Um, but the big ones for me are Titan Quest 2. So, I don't have the biggest interest in, like, see, uh, what's the name? Like, games that are like Diablo. I can't remember the specific term for them. Path of Exile is another one. I've never really played those sorts of games. I've never played Diablo way in the past. I've never played any Path of Exile, but I have played, on a couple of occasions, Titan Quest. 
Um, I just really enjoy the setting. Ancient Greece is always something that's uh, massively interested me. So Titan Quest 2 is another game that, funnily enough, interests me. A sequel to one of the, the few games of that genre I've ever played since then I played Dark Boy 4. And I've been a bit more hooked uh, ever since like playing Dark Boy 4 as well. So I feel that I can see myself investing quite a bit of time into Titan Quest 2. It'll probably be relatively close to a day one for me. I might not get it exactly day Holy one. I might... shit! I know. Who are you? What have you done with your dog? Where is this guy? <laughs> I, I might give it a couple of days to see what the reviews are like, because I tend to do that with most games nowadays anyway. I think the only game I wouldn't do that with is something like Battle Brothers 2 or something. But um, I, I do just want to... In, in, just play this game. I, I don't know when it exactly it's going to be coming out. I think it's going to be a while off yet. Um, but I'm extremely excited for that one because, uh, like ancient Greece, man, I get yeah, I man. get to go. I get to go and stab things in ancient Greek mythology whilst rocking Ooh. really cool ancient Greek armor, and like it just it looks really cool to me. So yeah. I'm very excited for that one. The um, um, the lack of gameplay in the trailer suggests it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's a way off. I, I think we'll probably be waiting at least two years, mm. uh, possibly longer. Um, What's a cool trailer? I agree. I think next up will be Last Train Home, which has been uh, I put a news article up not too long back. Uh, I have mentioned on a, a couple of times, not necessarily on this podcast though, but certainly in the Slack. So it's a historical RTS set drawing. Um, the, I suppose it could be called a bit of a retreat. So the Czechoslovak Legion was made up of volunteers from uh, Czechoslovakia, uh, which at the time was part of Austria-Hungary. A lot of uh, the ethnic people from those regions wanted independence in their own country. So they ended up fighting for Russia and France to a lesser degree um, during World War I. Uh, Russia gets knocked out in 1917, and they want to continue fighting against Germany. So they go, uh, they can't go west, everywhere's blockaded or going through Germany. So they have to go east across the Trans-Siberia Railway, which is like 10,000 kilometers of um, travel in Siberia. It's not exactly a hospitable place. Uh, in the midst of what's going to become a civil war between the Reds and the Whites, uh, so the Bolsheviks and the basically monarchists, um, all the way to Vladivostok on the eastern coast of Russia. You know, this is the sort of thing which, uh, if someone came up with it in a story, you'd think, well, that can't be true. That's way too crazy but it's it's true historical events and last train home is is based off of that so it's a really intriguing and different historical setting because generally when people uh well when these sorts of games are made like world war ii is the big one or modern day nowadays um so world war one and uh, even to an even lesser degree adjacent sort of conflicts don't really get much love in video games and media as a whole. So I'm really, really interested to, to see this one. So you'll be able to control the train. Um, you'll be able to upgrade it over time. You control the equipment your soldiers use. You'll need to scavenge for supplies, for better equipment to use. Uh, 
Um, it's just, it's looking really cool to me from the trailers we've seen. And uh, I'm really excited from the historical perspective as well. To I'm see. excited that you're excited. <laughs> uh, and then finally, the third one uh, I'm looking forward to is called Tempest Rising, which is an upcoming base building RTS game for PC inspired by RTS gamers, uh, RTS games, sorry, released in the 1990s and 2000s. So basically, Command and Conquer and similar. Um, there's, I've not seen all that much stuff about this one. I did see a trailer the other day with some like really cool cinematics and stuff, but um, anything Command and Conquer or similar, or even RTS, I'm going to have my eyes on anyway. So uh, this one... It'll be really interesting. I think we'll get this one a bit more quickly than Titan Quest 2. Same with Last Train Home. Uh, so I I really want to get my hands on these, Ross. Can can, can you get them for me? You <laughs> <laughs> ask really, really nicely. I will do my best. <laughs> I, I will um, be sure to. Uh, yeah, I mean, THQ are represented by Dead Good. So... Um... We shall see. Um, it's more likely than most. I'll just say that for now. They had a few other interesting titles in the showcase. Um, not really for me. The the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Last Ronin official trailer. Have you seen mm, that one? Yes, that is a that is a must play for me. That looks absolutely awesome. Is that would that be the highlight of the showcase for you? Without question. Without question, uh, when when I heard they were doing the last round of this game, I thought, well, that's going to be awesome, and that they have THQ behind it. You know, they're a great publisher, so can't go wrong. You know, I mean, for me personally, THQ have so last year for me as a strategy gamer, I would say Hooded Horse did really well. Um, there was quite a few releases. Oh yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I know Hooded Horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. Yeah, yeah. This year, it's been THQ Nordic between uh, Spellforce, Conquest of EO, Dragon Alliance 3. Um, last year, they released Expeditions Rome. They, they've really released some really impressive strategy titles in the last 12 months or so. So mm. uh, along with Hooded Horse and uh, a couple of uh, developers, they really have like, massively piqued my interest. So um, yeah, THQ... Uh, Doing really well, I think, recently, personally. Uh, I'm really enjoying the... I mean, as much as they're releasing strategy titles, it's not the only thing they're releasing. And I really think someone like Ubisoft could <laughs> could learn a page out of their book. Cause, mm. uh, well, there was that there was that time where, I'd say probably between 2015 and 2017, where the only news stories about THQ were them acquiring studios. Yeah. And they, they must have got at least 12, 12 or 15 in that time. And it's now that we're kind of seeing the fruits of those labors. Yeah. And it's it's a really exciting thing because we were, I remember watching going, what the hell are they doing? They're like, what the hell are they planning? And now we finally see what they're doing. And um, I think something like Ninja Turtles, the fact that they've got so many IPs now and they're wor working on sequels to games that people love, like Titan Quest. Um, you know, I think they're moving in, the, in a really good direction. Bringing yeah. back in the dark, you know. The oh, the whole um the whole thing that happened to um basically folding due to their financial struggles, I found really sad back then because some of my favorite titles in the two thousands were were published by THQ, 
So I, I really loved Company of Heroes and Dawn of War and uh, Titan Quest. So yeah. I was I was really sad when they ended up going under. Mm-hmm. And they do great um, stuff with IPs like the SpongeBob games. You know, they're not the best platforms in the world, but they're perfectly fine for what they are. Yeah. Um, and you know they have they have this massive wide appeal. Like I said, they appeal to basically every genre. And so you know, there's there's probably a bright future ahead for them so long as they keep the quality up. I feel they're one of the few bigger publishers that still take risks. Mm. Um, a lot of their titles you wouldn't think of as huge titles. I mean, like Last Train Home I mentioned, that's a very niche historical setting. A lot of publishers wouldn't risk setting a game in that when they can just go for the tried and true World War II setting, which provably sells more copies. So I'm, I feel having a publisher like THQ around funding what are a little bit more risky in terms of uh like financially funding these games it's great and i'm i'm really glad to see uh especially from my perspective uh jagged alliance 3 and to a lesser extent spellforce both got really good reception so i'm glad it's paying off for them uh from what i i can see absolutely um cat did it see anything from the showcase that you're excited by yeah. Um, so anybody who knows me knows that I have a massive crush on David Harbour. Um, and he is the voice actor in the new game. I say new game, but it's actually based on an old game, uh, Alone in the Dark, with Jodie Comer, who just also is a massive crush of mine. What a lineup. Um, yeah, the only downside to me is that it's kind of like a horror game. So I'll probably be watching it before I play it. <laughs> Um, that looks really cool. Um, I'm really actually, you know what? I was actually just watching the trailer for Last Train Home. And I just actually does look all right. Um, it looks like it's got loads to do. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I really like the um, the look of Space Sale. It reminds me a little bit of like if Pikmin got open worldy and got adventure open world as opposed to like the strategy game that it is um yeah it looks really cool can't wait to see more of that i'm not going to talk about ninja Ch- teenage mint ninja Charles because it's a 45 trailer we don't see any gameplay and that fucking always rubs me up the wrong way um <laughs> uh i've played three of the trines so the other trine looks all right. And there's obviously, again, co-op again in that. So that'll be fun if anybody's looking for a co-op game. Um, I played all three of the other trines on Steam. Um, so no doubt. And it runs really well. It's always been a game that's, that looks very beautiful and runs quite well. So, yeah, that's exciting for trine fans. Um, but I think my highlights are Alone in the Dark and Space for Sale. They look awesome. Yeah, Alone in the Dark is going to be... Um, well, I, I predicted it as a 48 on our yearly Metacritic. Um, oh, Which is low, I know. But I'm just worried. I'm just worried it's going gonna, it's gonna to not live up I'm to the expectation. I'm worried that it's all like all big lineup and no big game. Mm. Um, but, you know, Jodie Comer from Jody Hopper. Comer. You know, I'm happy. Villain now and Hopper in a game, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Listening to that voice all day long. Count <laughs> me in with my headphones on. Let's go. Are you off to see the new Gran Turismo movie that he's in? Uh, no, but <laughs> but I watched the trailer <laughs> with a smile on my face. <laughs> like... <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll watch it when it's on Netflix. Leave me alone. 
maybe maybe we'll see um yeah i mean i'm so excited for the last rodin this is such a cool uh teenage mutant ninja turtles story um it's essentially um three of the ninja turtles get kidnapped and stolen and are gone missing and it's up to Raphael to get them to get him back and it's just this dark ninja noir story and the fact that they're turning it into a game oh god i can't wait i can't Very wait cool. it's... and it's the people who made um uh destroy all humans yes that, that, that is exciting yeah um, Black yeah. Forest games, of course. Um, and so yeah, yeah they are. that's it. Yes, yeah. yeah, they cool. Um, new Southport game. That's exciting. Uh, it's been a while since yeah. the fractured but hold. So um, yeah, this one looks <laughs> different. It's uh, looks like some sort of three D top down um strategy game. I'm not entirely Battle sure. What's game. Going yeah. Um, how do you feel about Southport? You're kidding to mention this one, even though it is a top down strategy game. Uh, South Park doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. There it is. I figured something would go wrong. <laughs> I, ha- I had to come up with something controversial <laughs> today. Um, I'm sure I'll be the first of many. Yeah, I just don't to like be fair, South Park. York, I completely agree. I completely agree. South Park winds me up. God, you're both monsters. I'm so sorry, Ross. You are the minority in this group. <laughs> <laughs> Outvoted. It's about Without time voted. I was considered a minority. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for this. Fine, I'll I'll bloody review it when it comes out. Screw you guys. I'm getting right, I'll, if you Fine, review you that, I'll review that. the next Mario game. How's that sound? <laughs> no, because no. Ross actually <laughs> likes that. <laughs> You're not touching Mario games ever. And uh, to be honest, if we could get Nintendo games, I would take them all. <laughs> and we can't because Nintendo don't like us. Thank you for reminding me of that. I uh, suppose I'm going to have to play the <laughs> 2022 strategy game of the year, Rabbids, at some point now. You're going to have to, because I think you'll love it. <laughs> Maybe. Generally well, do. actually, the game industry says you have to love it, because it won uh, strategy best of the yeah, year. It so does. it's kind of like a rule now. It's mandated by the industry that I must like that Yeah. <laughs> I see how it is. Yeah. Officially, yeah. you're wrong if you don't like it. <laughs> Just apparently how we all need to love Excellent. Ring, I love being wrong. So... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's Way of the Hunter, not really my thing. I don't like Games where you have to purposely shoot animals in the face. Um, not up for that. Um, where the no, was it rec recreation? Yeah, gave me kind of rec fest vibes. Um, that's exactly the rec fest, which of course was also published by THQ Nordic. Looks like kind of a, a spiritual sequel to that. So that looks uh, that looks fun. Something I'll pick up for ten minutes and then put down again. Exactly what I did with rec fest. Um, I would the... play. I would play where the hunter of the animals could shoot back. If there's a badger with an assault <laughs> rifle that can just return fire, yeah, you know, exactly. just make it a bit of a challenge. Make it fair. That's what I'm saying. Um, looking forward to Cat and uh, Yog Dog's joint review of Last Train Home. <laughs> I'm actually um, really bad at history too. I have a best friend who's a history teacher, and um, because I'm very socially anxious, and I thought he was a very cool guy, I lied for about a year until I was really good at history and really, really interested in history. <laughs> And I wow. actually had to come clean because we turned into like best friends. And I was like, listen, I've got a real deep story to tell you. Uh, I got a C in like everything. I don't know. I don't even think I got a C. I got a D. And he, you just saw his little heartbreak. And the more and more I told him, I gave less of shit about history. You just saw his heartbreak. But luckily, my dazzling and sparkling personality had uh, taken his heart. So there we go. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, so Yog, you don't want me on that game. Maybe I'll watch you play it, though. How about that? I'll I'll come into your stream and maybe but, review you playing it. That sounds fair. Okay, like, I'm like up for you, that. 
Yeah. Like a review squared. Like you'll review the game and I'll review your, <laughs> your gameplay. Yeah, I, I think this is a plan. <laughs> Join article the... coming from me and Yog. I can't wait. I can't wait. I was watching the trailer for Last Rain Home and I'm like, it's not for me, but I get it. It looks really interesting, interesting in a way that other strategy games don't look interesting to me, if that makes any sense. It's got something unique about it, I think. Um, from the trailers, it's got more of an emotional core to the game than a lot of other strategy games have. Mm. Um, it, I feel because it's tied to um, a, a more close to the ground story because you're commanding like maybe twenty to fifty people by the looks of it. That's that's a lot less than you would have in many other strategy games where you're commanding hundreds and not thousands. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel the trailers so far have really given it quite a bit of gravitas. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it actually handles in person, uh, whether, the, whether it lives up to my, at this stage, relatively lofty expectations. Um, yeah. And as I can confirm, it's got nothing to do with the, um, lead off profit single last ring. So you don't have to worry about that. Oh, God. Yikes. Oh, no. <laughs> Jeez. Just wanted to confirm that if anyone was worried, oh. they're not related. Okay. Would, um, would it suck if you started playing this game and last ring home just started playing over the credits? I mean, I don't even know because I've never actually listened to them. So I would be completely unaware. That'd be awkward, wouldn't it? It um, would give, be, wouldn't it? You, you give this game a 10 out of 10 and the whole internet's going, they put a Lost Profits song in! <laughs> that would attract attention, I suspect. Yeah, that would be the end of Finger Guns, as we know it. Oh, God. I'm going to have to message THQ to double check. You didn't put this song in, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the THQ showcase. Um, yeah, something for everyone, it looks like, so that's good. Good stuff. There is a showcase coming up soon uh, from the guys behind uh, Playdate. Of course, they were the ones who published Firewatch. They published Untitled Goose Game. So that might be one to keep an eye on. Um, I can't find the thing that tells you when the date is, but I'll find out at some point and I'll tell you later. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, I think that's going to be a really good one too because Firewatch and Untitled Goose Game are two of the best indies from the last few years. So well worth a look. Oh, look who it is at the door. <laughs> Ding dong! Look, he's do, trying do, to get do, in. Do we have do we have a surprise visitor? Look, he's trying to get in through the front door. Hi. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I just I just had this image of him like really really short and then like waving, being like hi, like with like little hi, big guy. eyes. <laughs> it's Miles Thompson. Hello, sir. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I've literally got off a train about five, ten minutes ago, and here I am. That's how dedicated I am. Dedication. Would it be uh, the last train home? Not the Lost oh. Profits album. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dear. That is a very good joke. but yeah, It was. It... <laughs> I was completely missed the context. <laughs> yeah, you missed the context, but but I'm just saying that my comedic timing there was like, I, if I high-five myself... Very good. There you go. I'll give you credit on the knowledge of everyone else knowing the context and not me. But it sounded like it was delivered well. We were talking about the THQ showcase and one of the games there was Last Train Home. Um, uh... 
and seconds before you knocked on our podcast's front door, we were talking about the album. And then you went five, ten minutes ago, literally got off the train. So it was like, so many you know, things all at once. we just, so just many perfect things timing. all at once. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair it was pretty damn good timing. Fair play. Kudos to that. Thank you. Um, so, Miles, I saw a picture of Fred Durst yesterday. Um, okay. The dude looks like some kind of retired gangster Rastafarian these days. Yeah, I think he's uh, going for that on purpose. <laughs> that's kind of his whole shtick now. His tour was called Still Sucks. So I think he's uh, leaning into it. Not, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about this look, to be honest. It was quite the experience, I have to say. And weirdly, he actually was better than I anticipated he would be, I have to say. He puts on quite he a is, good show. He is a, he, he is a great live performer. There's no You can't take that away from him. No, at all. definitely not. Um, I'm glad to have had a good time. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, I didn't realise, but Pendulum were also there. So, cool. Got to see Pendulum, too. Sweet. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. How um, how drunk did you get? My, I my actually... mate got very drunk. <laughs> I actually didn't because I had work today. Um, so I couldn't get drunk. But I did have a couple of drinks and it was a good time. And honestly, when my way came on, it was I might as well have been drunk for how feral everything was. So it's just how it is. Nice. Um, right then. Right. Can we get back to the podcast now? Jeez. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for intruding. I'll leave now. <laughs> so, um, so I believe Miles has a quiz. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, it's the top 10 songs of Limp Biscuit, as rated by me. Uh, number one, take a look around. Rolling. Yeah, I was going to say, well, it's got, it's got to be rolling. Let's really, right, yeah. take a look around. You know it is. Um, take a look around is pretty damn good. Look out for uh, next week for uh, ranking Lincoln, <laughs> ranking Limp Biscuit albums. We're, we're not doing it. We're not doing yeah. it, Roscoe. <laughs> I can't do it again. <laughs> Yeah, you can, you coward. Just not tonight. That's all right. You're probably yeah, a bit just, tired. Yeah, just um, give it a week. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, right then, let's talk Call of Duty because there's something else to talk about this week, apparently. As expected, Microsoft's Microsoft, fuck's sake, Ross. Modern Warfare 3 beta will come to PlayStation first. Um, as expected, this year's Call of Duty game, Modern Warfare 3, will have a public beta available first to PlayStation users. That's according to an Arabic trader, which appeared on the PlayStation YouTube channel as translated, spotted by Charlie Intel. You should follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, prior to the announcement of Microsoft's intention to acquire Activision Blizzard, the company had already agreed to make another three Call of Duty games available on PlayStation and Xbox consoles. This year's Call of Duty entry is the last title as part of Sony's long-standing marketing agreement, according to court documents. So, um, I mean, look, there's not a lot to talk about here. I know that. But it is interesting that in the year of Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, PlayStation still has its dirty claws in Call of Duty and will take the beta first. Um, I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on this, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, I'll go for Kat. How do you feel about this? Exciting or what? Um, I just think it's really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> all the arguing, all the arguing, all the petty, petty arguing, and then and then PlayStation are like, lol, here's our first move. You can go now. Like, yeah, pretty how much. fucking funny is that? Um, I just, I don't know, I just think all of this fight is ridiculous. The court case is ridiculous. I think active Activision Blizzard, uh, uh, dickheads. Uh, Bobby Kotick, you're a fucking dickhead. 
So, yeah, as much as I think that Sony is a very business-led model and I do think that it's moving away from its community base and its players and, and its love for the game, um, I hope it squashes Microsoft with everything it has. Um, um, so, yeah, this is a win, I guess, in that respect of that argument. Um, but I, but it is, it's funny, isn't it? Because it, it makes everything moot, doesn't it? it because the, the game is still going to be the game. The game is still going to be beloved for fans everywhere. Um, yeah. It's still going to be really successful, whether it was going on Microsoft or it was going on PlayStation. Um, there will be a time where it probably doesn't go to PlayStation first because that's that's how acquisitions work. Um, but for now, it seems like all of this arguing has all just farted. <laughs> Yikes. There you go. There you go. That's it. That's all. That's one of these. There we go. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, I actually I get it. confused because the thing is with with cods. I do like a good cod every now and then. I do like playing zombies every now and then with a couple of drinks. I will never play against Sean because she's incredible. I will only play with her if she's on my team. Um, well, I won't, I, well, cod. I mean, zombies. Obviously, you can play together because that's that's how zombies works. Um, I never know which ones have zombies and which ones don't because Miles always tries to say to me like there's two different studios and they do different things. Anyway, they're all called Modern Warfare so I lose count and I'm like <laughs> is this an old game or a new game or they're always called something else as well but fuck I wish they'd you know give it a new title and I get that it is probably some sort of remake. Who knows at this rate I don't. Just stop saying games with the same freaking title. That's fair. Oh, it's okay. Um, no, bring back Keeper Sutherland. I hope he's in it. <laughs> yeah. That was a fucking great game. That's my favourite one. Which one was he in? World of War. What was he? Yeah. Huh. Hang on. I'm pretty sure he's in Black Ops, isn't he? No, no, it is. Is it World of War? It's, Fuck um, you, it's World of War. You didn't do a quiz today. So, how about you track me on my answer? <laughs> to be fair, I always get confused between them, so you might be right. I just, I, I don't know, know why I, I always thought it was No, 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 no. I not might be right. I am right. <laughs> hey, Mars, why don't you shut up until you've spoken to, right? Okay, I'll go. Yeah. Bye. God. Anyway, Keeper Sutherland yeah. is in World of War. Uh, so... Okay, uh, I got a quiz question. <laughs> so, Kiefer Sutherland was in Call of Duty World at War, yes, but what 2014 video game did he also, uh, was he also in? Metal Gear Solid? Wasn't it here in Metal Gear Solid? Yes. Both Ground Zeroes yeah. and Phantom Pain. Yeah, he plays quite a few characters. What 2018 <laughs> video game was he in? Oh, no one cares, Yogdog. No one cares. I care. Keep something in his bay. I don't know. 2018? Oh, I don't know. Well, you've already given half the answer earlier. Oh, was it Metal Gear Solid? Uh, close. The fourth one. The fifth one. Death Stranding? What? It's Metal Gear Survive. Oh, that dumps the yeah. fire of a game. <laughs> oh, we love Metal Gear Survive. And he was also in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. So Miles was kind of right. He was in the Black Ops at one stage, but it's in one of the DLCs. Fair enough, okay, fair enough Miles. Fair I apologize. That's also my point. It's even Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare or Black Ops. And like, girls starting to lose count. Girls starting to not be able to differentiate which game is good or not. So the original Black just... Ops. Was Gary Oldman and Ed Harris and Sam Worthington? Very nice. Gary Oldman was Victor Ersnoff. Like... It was fun. 
Um, I like anyway, Gary Oldman. He's do like, I mean, he he doesn't. He's he's in the best Harry Potter movie. He's the best. Basically, the best part of Harry Potter, essentially. And also, fun fact: his sister is Big Mo from EastEnders. Yes, that's an amazing fact, isn't it? I love that. <laughs> um, he's the villain in my favorite movie of all time, um, which is Leon the Professional. By the way, if anyone didn't know, I've never um, actually seen that. He is extraordinary in that. He is absolutely amazing. His performance makes it my favorite film ever. I think. I think it's what I, I think it's the best villain performance. Of all time. And I've put like Jack Nicholson's Joker and everything next to it. And it's like, it's just Gary Oldman's fucking terrifying in that film. And I'll stand by that until the day I die. Anyway, um, Miles, how do you feel about Modern Warfare 3? Um, I'm, well, I'm actually more excited for the controversy of Modern Warfare 3 because we know that no Russian is going to be in this one. And I'm excited to see how current day audiences react to a mission which was controversial even why is no russia gonna be in this one um because they are basically at the end of well there's slight spoilers but at this point if you care about call of duty stories i i don't know why you i don't know um but at the end of modern warfare 2 they do the uh telephone call um which is made at the start of the no russian mission and the final text message you see on a phone says no russian Uh... um so and in the teaser um you can hear the phone being played or whatever and that is the same call from no russian so they're not exactly being subtle that they're gonna go all in on it um so i think my excitement is more for a if they actually do commit to doing the entire mission which i don't think they will i reckon they're gonna tone it down or censor it in some way um but also i'm looking forward to all of the controversy articles about how in 2023 it's not acceptable to have a mission like it anymore um so yeah i'm excited for but what it will bring. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't acceptable by them, was it, either? To be honest. I'm, I mean, it's it's one of those missions where it's like, either you just accept it's a video game and you don't think too much on it, or you don't like it. Um, I think the idea to be able to skip it, which they added in the remastered one, um, was probably a sensible thing to do. Um, not everybody wants to play a mission like that, and I get why. Um, for me, I think it was fine. It was just, it's actually quite a badly designed mission because there's not really a lot that you actually do in it. Um, so, so you can go through the whole thing without shooting anyone, can you? Yeah, it's it's literally just like a walking sim level, and it was put in the game just for shock value. Like that's all it's there for. Um, but I think um, Mod- Modern Warfare twenty nineteen and Modern Warfare two, um, the actual campaigns are good. I'd put them up there as like good, solid campaigns that are worth playing. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we were all quite big fans of Modern Warfare two issues and all. Um, so I'm tentatively, you know half it's hard to say i'm excited for a call of duty because i don't really get excited for them anymore but this rebooted uh modern warfare series has been good like i put like 100 hours into modern warfare 2019 um i think i played like 30 or 40 hours of modern warfare 2 last year um like they're solid games and i like just jumping into them and just putting my brain in a jar and just going ham for a bit um but it definitely doesn't have the pull that it used to so i think it's kind of a it makes sense that this is going to be the last one that's kind of got the exclusivity stuff with PlayStation. Um, I know they're obviously going to be on PlayStation for another nine to 10 years, but yeah, this one feels like the last hurrah for the PlayStation's exclusivity rights with it. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I, I do like a, a COD campaign. It's six hours of 
blockbuster berserking nothingness yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> sometimes sometimes you just need that in your life you know yeah absolutely and um the grittier tone of like the last two games has been kind of interesting um if anything i kind of wish they'd committed a bit more to it i feel like they kind of dialed it back after the initial impressions yeah. um i want another clean house mission basically is what i'm saying i thought that mission was brilliant yes um, very good yeah so i just want more of that stuff and no more warzone we're not we're not doing warzone again roscoe we, we're not cut out for it are we no we were, no. we were not cut out for that mode that was a, a perfect sign for me to go back to Fortnite and just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> and me to Dead by Daylight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to update, it's the Panic Showcase, um, the Antarctic game. Far probably if Panic are doing a showcase on August 29th um, at 5pm. So if you want to check out what they're up to now, then yeah, August 29th, 5pm. Um, that was an update to a thing I was talking about earlier. Um, all right then, well, that's COD. That's coming this year. It was meant to be an a expansion to last year's game. Now it's just a full-on game, and it's going to be seventy pounds. Um, full reveal, of course, coming on the seventeenth, which is in a couple of days' time. I think I'll just go back and play Call of Duty too. Yeah, probably for the best. Probably for the best. Um, and finally, um, again, this isn't massive news, but Ubisoft have a new Far Cry IP boss, and his name is Drew Holmes. Ubisoft's veteran writer and narrative designer Drew Holmes has been put in charge of the Far Cry IP. Holmes, who previously served as narrative lead for the franchise and also wrote Bioshock Infinite, thank you very much, um, shared the news on his LinkedIn page, revealing he's been promoted to IP director for Far Cry. It's been an exciting few months, he said. I'm happy to share that I'm starting a new position as IP director of Far Cry at Ubisoft. We have big things in store, smiley face. Don't hesitate to reach out if you want to be part of the next evolution of this great brand. Um, now, Drew Holmes has got pedigree, of course. He wrote, along with Bioshock Infinite, he wrote Far Cry 5 and Far Cry New Dawn. And Far Cry 5 was, of course, one of the best stories in the series. And Far Cry New Dawn wasn't. But, you know, well, you um, it was a nice follow-on to Far Cry 5, at least. And, um, yeah, at least, if nothing else, after our conversation last week regarding Ubisoft and the fact that they seem to be putting all of their cards on Assassin's Creed, it's nice to know that, yes, there is, in fact, a Far Cry Seven coming down the line. Um, your dog is this good news for Ubisoft? I mean, it's better than having everything's Assassin's Creed. Uh, I, I do think he's gonna be a good choice for Far Cry. Um, I mean, he also worked on the first three Saints Row games, which I know have a bit of a mixed reception, uh, the first couple, but I found I think it was two and three absolutely hilarious. Wait, there was a story in Saints Row? <laughs> he worked on them. I don't necessarily know if he wrote all the stories, but free yeah. was free was great. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was um, Bioshock Infinite. We were talking a little bit about that before we actually started the pod, but um, it it wasn't my cup of tea. But that was popular with a lot of people when that launched. So yeah, he's got quite the the pedigree behind him. Um, I haven't played many of the modern Far Cries. As the awkward sod I am, my favourite Far Cry is, is Far Cry 2. Um, although I did enjoy playing Far Cry 3 as well. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be... It's good for Ubisoft. Um, I think a lot of us know my feelings on Ubisoft and their current course. But it is good they aren't putting absolutely everything into Assassin's Creed. 
Uh, and Far Cry is probably their other big hitter. So it's good to see that uh, it's not dead, at least not completely. So it'll be interesting to see the level of resources uh, that get actually pushed towards the next Far Cry entry. Um, I mean, it'll pique my interest. Uh, whether it's enough to actually get me to buy it is another thing entirely, though. What uh, What about you, Ross? You You think uh, you're looking forward to the next Far Cry? Yes, I'm excited for this. Um, I'm a big fan of Far Cry 5. Um, I think it was, it's up there with Far Cry 3 as one of the better ones in the franchise. I do like all of them. Um, much like COD, they're kind of like, uh, every time they come around, I really enjoy playing them because they're just like 10, 15 hours of, I know exactly what it's going to be. You know, there's no messing around. It is funny. They are, they are funny in parts. The stories are expansive and they're interesting. The villains are always fun. So, you know, it is a game, a series that I really enjoy. Um, regardless of how kind of like by the numbers and generic they are at times and how similar they all are. But it's a series that I really love. And um, if the writer of Far Cry 5, which has got a really cool, intricate story, it's so multi-layered, it's so faceted with such interesting backstory, um, you know, its main focus on religion and the apocalypse and the importance of that to its villains was so was just presented really well. Um, and it wasn't, there was these big old controversies about it before it came out. Americans themselves were not happy about it naturally. Um, but I think it told a really interesting story and um, that the writer of that is going to carry on into the next couple of um, Far Crises is, uh, is awesome. And so, yeah, I'm really happy with that. And I really enjoyed the Bioshock Infinite story. I remember finishing that game and having like the controller on my hands and I could feel myself sort of visibly, shaking it was just like you know the ending really got to me and yeah i loved how it all played out and i remember thinking wow i need to go back through this game again no with that knowledge in my head and replay the whole thing and i haven't done that yet sort of 10 years later but i really do want to someday um i never got around to it because you know video games and new one just comes out every week that you want to play so you just kind of forget but um it's always been on my list of things to do um so i'm excited yeah this is as a fan, this is uh, great news. Great news that there's even a new Far Cry coming, because last week I didn't think that was going to happen. To be honest, well, um, I have I have a, a bit of a random question. Well, it's not particularly random, I suppose. If you could only have Far Cry or Assassin's Creed, what would you decide towards? What What would you lean? Oh, Far Cry. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's controversial. I don't think anyone would would necessarily agree, but I like the. I like the arcaneness of it. I like the pop, the the the, the poppiness of it. You know, um, Assassin's Creed takes itself really seriously, and at times it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, yeah, of course. The last the last few Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla have just been so big that I just cannot be asked to finish them. Um, I think I put nearly ninety hours into Valhalla, and I still had like so much left to do, and I stopped. I, was like, I can't do this. I cannot be bothered to do this. I wasn't invested enough in the story to care about where where it ended. And so, but the Far Cry ones, you know, they know exactly what they are. They're 15 hours. They're sometimes they're quite dark. They're quite bleak, but most of the time they're really lighthearted. Um, they tried to be, you know, um, Far Cry 6 with Giancarlo Asita didn't capture the magic of 5 for me, but it was still a really fun time. Um, and it, it kind of took itself a lot more seriously. But again, you know, the characters that you surround yourself with, and you know the characters that are in the game. Like there's there's one character called um, is it Hutch? 
Hawk, or one of the owners of that, but he's in every single game. And when you run into him, you don't know where he's going to be. And so when you run into him, it's like, ah, you know, it's just pretty fun. And <laughs> um, I just I live for those moments. And so, you know, when I love getting my Far Cry fix every two or three years when it comes out. And um, I will be there day one for, for seven, without a doubt. Um, but again, you know, that's not to say I'm not excited about Mirage, because I am. I'm really excited about Mirage. Um, um, like, a, like, like we've said a hundred times, it's going back to basic Assassin's Creed, and that's exactly what the series needs right now. Um, so there's, a, I think there's a bright future ahead of both of them. I just, um, I'm just glad that Far Cry is still a thing that is happening. Thank God. I'm, I'm really not sure where I, where I lean towards. Um, I like entries in both series, not necessarily the most modern ones in either, but uh, like the early Assassin's Creed two and Brotherhood, especially, I really enjoyed, and Black Flag was excellent. Um, mm. And then Far Cry 2 and 3 were really good. And I played a little bit of 4, which was not as good, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, I think I'd probably lean towards Assassin's Creed, but it would be fairly close. Um, I, I do think both series do definitely have some very, very high points. Mm. For sure, for sure. Um, Kat, this has got to be good news for you yourself, right? At least... Uh... Someone's in charge that may know what they're doing. I mean, that's always a good sign. I know you're happy. I know this is somebody who has a lot of passion for the series. And so it's good that they're thinking about that as opposed to just randomly putting anyone. I guess this reminds me of, oh my God, my name is just, his name is just blanked from my mind. Uh, the God of War guy who started as a. Sorry, like, Balog. Um, that's the one. It, it reminds me of Cory Barlog. That's that's what it reminds me of. Someone who starts as you know, like a writer, and then like kind of heads, heads the head of the series, and now it's heading, um, that company. Um, my brain has just gone completely blank. I've just like had like honestly the biggest brain fart. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I hope. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Far Cry, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've always wanted to get into Far Cry. I, you know, every time I see the trailer, I think that game looks fucking sick, and it's just one of those things. I've never done it. Um, it's got a massively. It's got. It's always got like you know some sort of fancy celebrity in it. Um, it's always got a pretty decent story. I think I played like three hours of the third one. Mm. Whatever one you start in a cage. That That's one. Three. Yeah. Yeah, I think I played a couple of hours of that one. Actually, I actually really enjoyed it, but at the time I wasn't, it was my console, so I couldn't continue it. But maybe, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. Um, Miles, how do you feel like this? Good news, good time, new Far Cry coming at some point in the future. Sorry, did you ask me there? I think my sound cut out. <laughs> I went, I went, Miles, how do you feel about this? Oh, sorry, my sound cut out as you said my name. Um, I am actually kind of excited i actually really enjoyed five and like you i think it's one of the better like written and designed ones um i really like two i'm a big defender of it i think it got a lot of unfair flack at the time for actually how kind of progressive it was um in what it was trying to do i think three is incredible it's still one of my favorite games to play um and vast is just everyone knows vast um four was fine it was okay five was great i genuinely had such a fun time playing that um i haven't got around to six yet again i know it's a very big game and i just haven't had time to dedicate to getting through it um 
but the idea of more Far Cry, like Assassin's Creed, if they scale it back to what makes the series good, then I'm always going to be... I think there's just a place for it. It's a game that people know you can jump into. You never really have to think all that much, but you know what you're getting. It's like a consistent experience, and sometimes that's nice. Um, and like you, it's sometimes just fun just to jump into a Far Cry game and just shoot everything and blow everything up with an RPG and then set fire to marijuana fields with a flamethrower. Like... The series yeah. has high moments, doesn't it? And then jump um, on the back of a bear and just take down <laughs> trucks. You know, it's great. A bear called Cheeseburger, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that was still my favorite part of that game. Um, so yeah, I think there's a place for it. I, you know, I like Assassin's Creed. Um, I've gone off it. You know, like yourself mentioned, of the games are just too big generally. But we are looking forward to Mirage, which is great. Um, and I think Ubisoft do need a couple of you know, decent wins on their side. And I think this just makes sense. This is quite clearly someone who like knows what they're doing, has a bit of pedigree and five was very well received. So with their background and experience and everything else, I think it's a promising decision. Um, And I just hope that he's given the license to go and create his vision rather than being hemmed into, you know, the mold of the template that we've seen kind of enforced on projects within Ubisoft. Um, but yeah, no, I'm pleasantly ex- excited, I guess. Um, and again, I will get back into Far Cry and maybe 7 will be, be the one that brings me in again. 6 is on premium right now. Oh, I've got so... it. I've, I own it. I bought it on deal like a year and a half, two years ago. And oh, right. I've just never got around to actually playing it. I bought it because you had recommended it. And when you described it to me, I was like, Okay, cool. That sounds exactly what like what I will like at some point. You know, I'm waiting for the right moment where I'm like, do you know what I could do? Well, just mm. to blow everything up and shoot things. Um, but you're and when always that reviewing strikes, games. Honestly, <laughs> I've just got too many things to review, Roscoe. I can't cope. It was funny this week. Miles has been like the last few weeks requesting things and requesting things. And like within two days, all of them came at the same time. <laughs> I went from having nothing to review to having like five things to review at yeah. once. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. Is that got, the sound um... of Metal Gear Solid codes coming in by any chance? <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope. <laughs> and you got um, some Exoprime DLC today as well. Oh, the dream. I can't wait. To, I, I can't believe this, but I can't wait to get back to that game and shoot some fucking dinosaurs again. What's Hell happened yeah. to me, Roscoe? Who am I? Hell yeah. Let's do this, boy. Let's do it. Um, I got an extra code as well. I don't know who wants it, but. Winner. Absolute winner. I might take it for myself. Oh, do it, Roscoe. We can party up again. We'll see. I and um I've also got Texas Jensen Mosca as well. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna talk about that when we uh when we get to it. Oh you you, you missed game of the week, dude. Sorry, it's over. Uh we have recommendations still, my friend. Oh yeah, we do. Oh yeah. Aha! Aha, you got me. Hoisted by my own batard. Huh. This man. <laughs> this is when you're like, actually we're gonna skip recommendations this week. <laughs> yeah, I thought recommendations. Because we've got a big old topic and I don't know what might happen. This could this could signal um Cat's Rage might fly through the window on this one, but we're going to go for it anyway. Because if you heard last week's podcast, um, our very own cat is sadly not enjoying um, Baldur's Gate 3. Um, she's a huge fan of the series. And sadly, it's not living up to her expectations. However, the game currently sits at a 97 on Metacritic, which makes it the highest rated game of the year thus far. And it got me thinking about the balance of fan expectation and 
there's a phrase I'm not allowed to say, so I'm going to try and reword it. Um, evolving a game to suit modern audiences and finding that finely tuned balance. And Baldur's Gate isn't the only example of that. You know, a lot of games have to do this in order to kind of like feel like they're in a new gen. You know, I think the best example of it is Doom, who, you know, Doom 2015 came along, felt wonderful, was brilliant, and kind of made that, got that balance completely right. But it looks like Baldur's Gate, Cat's not the only one. Cat obviously made us aware that there is a group on Reddit that are not happy with this version of Baldur's Gate. And um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's an interesting one because it is proving to be hugely successful, um, kind of regardless. And maybe, you know, that idea of jumping into a series on three without having played the first two, people may not notice these things. And so I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to Kat first because this is obviously where the, the best place to start. Um, yeah. Fan expectation, which is what you are. Yep. Beyond. Yeah, I am. Again, I am a fan. I'm a fan expectation. You're yep. a fan expectation in this particular I am. circumstance. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and versus um, objectively evolution. successful game. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yeah. 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 Um. um what's what? What's the secret? And why have Folders Gate missed it? Seemingly this time around. So I, I think the secret is is essence um that kind of i guess like when you think about like in its purest form like when you think about like the second evolution of someone's perfume it smells slightly similar to the last but it's a completely different take um a a sequel of a film you know it's a completely different storyline but you know that you're watching the same franchise fast and furious didn't suddenly start like to know fucking riding push bites um or you know doing a food series but i do think the secret is is essence is potentially like some sort of like very grounded formula or just like you said with um that hawk hutch guy having that dude that comes in every so often like hey we're still the same franchise you know, got ya. Um, I think there are a lot of games. You know, we are in this last five years of sequels, remakes, reboots, remasters. Um, you know, re ringing up. You know, trudging up the dead. Miles is so desperate for a Dino Crisis. How fucking long ago was that? Um, and so I think it's really important that when you dredge up especially a game as, as as far away as Baldur's Gate, there has to be a purpose. There has to be, it can't be on clout um, for how successful the game was. And when the game came out, and I'm not just talking, I'm going to talk specifically about Baldur's Gate at the moment, but then I'll, I'll kind of go wider. When the game came out, it was, it was given the best role-playing game of the year by IGN. Um, and objectively, had you have never played this game, I think it's brilliant. Like, and I've even said that. Like, Miles was like, "You're still playing it, though. You're still playing it, though. You're still playing it, though." Like, right? Yeah, I am still playing it. I haven't touched it for a couple of days, but because I can appreciate it as a separate game, if I forget that it is there, but I think when you have something that's so beloved, for, that's entrenched for such a long time, it is almost like if they were to bring back a friends reunion. It's like if you're not going to do it properly, or you're not going to do it justice. And I guess um, owed the fans in in some sense. Don't bother because 
it's just gonna it's gonna fall on deaf ears but actually i think they've reached this time where there's this weird generation of boulders gate being probably quite old that a lot of people have no idea that there was a first one or second one other than the idea that there is a three even before boulders gate three was announced when i used to talk to people about boulders gate there would be a very small subset of people who would know what this kind of game was um Tomb Raider, for example, had a very similar-esque sequel that wasn't a franchise for, what, 10 years, six, seven years? I don't, want to say, I don't know how many years there were between, you know, the last Tomb Raider 4 or whatever it was to the reboot of Camilla Ludington. And they still changed so much, but they didn't just give her, like, baseball bats and, like, you know, they didn't give her, like, feathers to fight with. Um, Batman, how many times has that film been redone? You still know you're watching a Batman film. It still has that filter over Gotham. And I think that's what this is missing, is that objectively, like I said, I can't deny it's not a good game. It is a good game. It's a great game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, but when you play the two, I think it, I I think it's a product of them really, really having a really big idea. They've when you when you're a company or a development team that have built probably the second biggest game in the genre of outside of Baldur's Gate or one of the most successful games, you know, Divinity of Sin or um and a lot of people would say, a lot of people if you if you if you kind of look and research back into those old Reddit or stream channels, they'll say, This game's like Baldur's Gate. It made so much fucking sense that they did it. It was so exciting. But they've changed so much that it almost, like, offends the idea of modernization. Like, they are using that as some sort of heroin, track, drug addict excuse of, like, no, no, we modernized it. No, 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 we modernized it. No, 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 you didn't. You just chucked a load of cutscenes and there's rarely, you know, there was rarely any cutscenes in the previous games. Oh, no, no, it's all modern now, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it, everything's a dice roll. Oh, that's because, you know, the previous ones went on uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, they did. Um, but it, there's no essence there. It feels like a definitive... If, if you'd have wiped out the title for me, I'd have said I'm playing, a, I'm playing DOS 3. Because it, it's very similar to the... And it's because it's the same team. It's because that's who... And they might have been inspired by Baldur's Gate when they were developing that. So it's like this weird, vicious cycle of of that. And yeah, it, it's mentioned a lot. Do you know, since I said it, the more and more I'm finding it. And I'm finding it from years ago as well. So it's really interesting. But I do think the secret is there has to be some sort of feeling in there that you're playing that series. It doesn't need to be the same story. It doesn't need to follow on the same story path. It doesn't need to look the same. It doesn't need to, well, not when I say look the same, I don't I mean like it can have, a look at say like Tomb Raider 2 versus Camilla Ludington's Tomb Raider. Um, you know, those two are very, very different looks visually. Um, there's a whole different, not a whole different combat system, but it's it's very, you know, it's updated. And I think that this wasn't updated. It was just changed to the DOS version of the game. And I'm like, that's not that game, though. Like, if you wanted to make a DOS sequel, then make a DOS sequel. Um, and it's a shame because it's, it's hugely successful. But I'm seeing more and more people who have played the one and two and that's what I think it's about. I think it's about kind of like salute, like nodding to the fans and kind of saying we we did it. Like we brought it back from the dead and it was worth it. But 
it's just such a fucking gut punch because the longer it goes on and the longer you pine for that sequel because it's been so long, obviously the higher expectations you're going to have. I wasn't expecting too much. I was kind of expecting it to look a little bit exactly the same, a little bit shoddy. It's a huge game. Um, There's hundreds of hours in the original too. This one apparently can be completed in just under 40 hours, 53 hours, I think they said. Already there, that's that's not a bold escape game. Even just that alone. Um, so it's tricky. It's it's a it's a tricky one, but it is a fantastic game. But there's just loads there, and I think yeah, it's you have to nod to the fans. I probably I'm just repeating myself now because otherwise I'm going to go and talk for hours. But yeah, the secret is you have to know you're playing that sequel to that franchise. You look at Horizon for the West. It's a completely different storyline. It's it's in a completely different location. Um, there are still a lot where you feel like this is an an horizon game there are countless Final Fantasies and you still know you're playing a Final Fantasy game regardless of the story, completely different characters Uh, so I don't take the excuse of we modernised it because there are many different games out there that have breadth over 10, 15, 20 years that still have an essence of the original and right now I don't buy that this really does. Well, I've got nothing to say to that, really. That's pretty much summed it all up. Okay. Um, I'm yeah, halfway it's... through my little writing thing, but I kind of suck at writing, so I <laughs> I pine over it for a really long time. But um, I am like, I'm like 500 words into my point of that, and that's basically what I've put in the article. Um, because I think there is a, I think you've got a good point, Ross, is that like, objectively you cannot say it's, it's a bad game. It's not a bad game. It's mm-hmm. just not a board skate game. Yeah, you know, it's it's that it's like stick a girl with two guns in a hand and make her blonde. Not too really game. <laughs> it's just you know, <laughs> objectively, it's probably a really good game. Um, so, sure. um, yeah, I think a good example of this is um, it's away from games, but the Uncharted movie is a great example of this. Um, it's a very fun and entertaining treasure hunting movie. You know, if you go for it and you just want a fun treasure hunt, escape your brain, entertaining, hour and a half, it's great. It's not an Uncharted movie. The only thing it relates to an Uncharted is that it's got two characters in it called Nathan and Sully Drake. That's it, really. And it feels it feels weightless and kind of pointless because of that. But if you go into it as a fun treasure hunting romp, then it's a good time. It's a great fun film. Um, I think Baldur's Gate has got this um, this kind of noose around it right now that it's so popular and doing so well that um, kind of you daren't say anything kind of against it. And catch something now two weeks in a row. And I, I respect that. I fucking that. will. I'm going to fucking fight anyone. Because I will ask... Oh, God. No, no, go on, y'all. That's something I say about most Nintendo properties, though. Like they hey, seem hey, to... hey, 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 leave Nintendo out of this, all right? No, 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 I won't. Nintendo properties have the same thing where they get ridiculous critical reviews and they don't get criticized for stuff which any other property from any other console or platform or anything, they would get criticized for. Like, it's it's not intrinsic to just Baldur's Gate. The industry has its blind spots for certain things. Nintendo games particularly... I'm going to have to say it, aren't I? Mario uh, is one of the worst, but Zelda's pretty bad for it too. They get away with stuff which other games wouldn't. Mm, yeah, I can see that. 
And but at least in Breath of the Wild too, you know, they fucking play in a Zelda game. It hasn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't change. Leaves <laughs> no, Mario Kart. I agree. Still, but... I don't know, driving carts. <laughs> like... Yeah, I agree with you on that. My, that's not my point. My point was just that the, this blind spot is something which it's not yeah. just with Baldur's it's Gate. Almost it's almost infallible. Yeah. What were you saying, Cap? Um, you were saying that. Um... Yeah, there's a there's a sense that you cannot um like touch Baldur's Gate at the moment because it's doing so well objectively and I have not found a single person that I know who is playing it who has played the originals. So I've I asked, think... like I physically I do my market research. Whenever I see someone playing it, they're like, Baldur's Gate's, Gate's amazing, isn't it? Okay. Have you played the originals? No, 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 I've played the originals. Right, cool. So yeah, you're right, it's an amazing game if you've never played the originals. It's incredible. <laughs> You sound like a uh, Metallica fan. Oh, you're a Metallica fan, are you? Name three albums. Name one song. <laughs> Other than don't name nothing else matters. <laughs> like... <laughs> and that's the thing. It's not about me gatekeeping the series. It's, I think it's a wider issue. And I think that's something that Yogg's talking about as well is like that invisibility of like, because a game does well, you can't criticize it because otherwise you're um, contrarian. And, and that's the thing is like, it, it just, it's all a bit vicious cycle. It's all a bit double-edged swordy. Like, mm. It's a bit tiptoey. You know, I think my game for that is God of War. You know, I can't be like, I can't be open about it because people get really, really fucking defensive about it. And <laughs> that's you know, the thing like, that you're allowed to like, not like a game, I guess. Like, sorry guys, it's not for me. It feels like you're not allowed to like, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I, I understand why it's so successful. I understand why people consider it fantastic and I get it. But, you know, sometimes things just don't click with you. And that's... that's but actually, you've made a really good point there in regards to, like, your original question. The Last of Us 2 is a fantastic example of this. The Last mm. of Us 2 changed almost everything and still plays and feels like a Last of Us sequel. Um, the Last of Us 2, spoiler alert, if you haven't fucking played it, don't listen to the next 30 seconds, kills the literal protagonist! Dead, died dead. See you a bit later, bye. And yeah. still, you get to play as the, as as the girl and his killer. You know, a lot of people will be like, "That's not my Last of Us game." But the thing is, it still plays. It still has the same weapon system. It still looks the same. It's still vision. And even though it doesn't look the same, it still looks the same. You could close your eyes and be like, "What game are you playing?" I'm going to show you the first thirty seconds. You would say this is a Last of Us sequel. Even if you were playing as Abby at that time. To counterpoint, Last of Us 2 got a lot of criticism, did it not, when it launched? But we're not talking about... Yes, it did get a lot of criticism, but they got a lot of review bombing for for the fact that they killed off the protagonist and then made Ellie gay. Yeah, so it, it was wasn't like, criticised for being a Last of Us sequel, it was criticised for its story. Oh, okay. Whereas, yeah. like, yeah, so it's criticised for, the, and it's the same with, like, Forbidden West DLC. It's not criticised because it doesn't feel like a Forbidden West game. It's criticised because you can choose to kiss the same-sex character. But a lot idiots. of the controversy was was about Ellie being gay, even though it's very clear that, you know, How is that there are gay characters. Yeah. Oh, because people are knobheads, y'all. <laughs> That is exactly People are right. homophobes. Games are homophobic so. knobheads, all of them. But that's a good. Every that's that's a, I was thinking about the other day. That Last of Us is a good good point. It's ten years oh, yeah, later, right. you know. You know, but it yeah. still feels like a Last of Us game, even though they've changed seventy percent of the game. 
yeah, but you're right. Like the um, the mechanics and the UI, the menu. Yes, all of hundred percent. The pause menu, everything, the font, everything. It yeah. still feels exactly the same. You know, in some respect, you can see it, and I don't I feel like that's completely lost in Baldur's Gate Three. Mm. Yeah, it's, an, it's a really interesting one because it's um, it'll probably go on to be game of the year. I mean, that's probably going to be the way it, it will. Goes, it absolutely um, will go on to game of the year, and I will be as fucking sour as Yog will be about rabbits <laughs> that are Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Like, you haven't played the prequels! <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, Keely. You haven't played the prequels. Yeah, fuck you, Keely. Oh, God, we're watching God, the game. Name Wars. a character in Baldur's Gate 2, I dare you. Yeah, I dare you, motherfucker. <laughs> Great stuff. So, Great would stuff. the ideal Baldur's Gate game just be a remake of the previous games? No, my idea of a, my ideal Baldur's Gate game would have maybe been like something like this story, perhaps in a Baldur's Gate, like in the Baldur's Gate UI in the Baldur in the Baldur's Gate mechanic, but up, you know, upgraded as if I don't know. I just want I want them to give me the mouse and go right. That should have never been there. That should have been there. Like there's a lot of stuff that's been fancied off for the sake of fancying that actually takes away a lot of the role playing elements. Um, I would try and take out everything that reminds me of DOS because DOS and Baldur's Gate are not the same type of franchise. They are not close. They are inspired by one another, potentially. Well, DOS would be inspired by Baldur's Gate, potentially, and it, that's kind of very well known. But it's just the way... It's like someone was saying, I even read something on, on a Steam comment which says something like, even the descriptions of the armour is is like shallow compared to the originals like everything like you were saying about that like it feeling weightless ross or like um that's kind of how people are kind of comparing that it's like even down to the smaller finer details it just doesn't feel as thought about it feels like they watched loads of videos on Baldur's Gate. and was like yeah, yeah don't worry we can just use our own font yeah, yeah don't worry we can just yeah put that there and put that here and put that there and that can go over that side and that can go over that side mm. So it's hard to say what my, my, what my ideal Baldur's Gate game would be because it, it wouldn't just be a remake. The, the one and two have remakes. They have enhanced editions. But it would be, you know, the story for this is really, really good. Um, personally, I quite like the story. Um, and I think everyone's their own in regards to any kind of role-playing game story. Is, it's going to be controversial to some people. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to think, yeah, that's been done before a million times. And actually, this probably has been done quite a few times. But... Um, it's it's interesting, um, and I think that it, it did serve a really big purpose. But I do think that people are saying, like, even the I don't know about some of the comments that other people are saying the characters even lack that little bit of depth um, compared to the other characters in two and one. I'd be interested to see that play out. But yeah, I just want want a fair sequel to the fair franchise. Yeah, yeah, I mean... essence, essence, yog. Essence, I need loads of essence. Essence plus one. Essence plus seven. <laughs> the kind of essence that you find in um in Mario sequels and Mario Rabbids, the strategy game of the year 2022. Indeed. Uh, I can get your point, Cap, because modern Total War games have kind of lost me compared to some of the older ones, particularly mm. Rome Total War Medieval 2, um, Empire as well. Those particular games were a staple in my uh, in my teenage years, and some of the best experiences I've ever had from strategy gaming as a whole, well, just gaming as a whole, 
was from those titles. And the more modern ones have fancier graphics, maybe better sounds, although that's arguable. Um, in some ways, more developed campaigns and so on. But they've just lost that essence. I love yeah. Total War Warhammer, but that's more because I love Warhammer as a property as opposed to me really enjoying the mechanics in the games uh, to the same extent mm. I used to enjoy Total War games. They've just lost a bit of a bit of what made them unique back then. Um, mm. I mean, there's not really many competitors out there really to Total War as a whole, but mm. they just don't really live up to... Uh, would expectations be the right word here? I suppose it it works. They don't I guess really it, it live does, up to what it's I want. Fan expectations, isn't it? Like that's exactly what it is. It might be objectively a good game for some people, but like your expectations as a fan, you know. And people might say, "Oh, well, nostalgia." You know, it's never as good as when you revisit it. Blah blah blah. But it's not about nostalgia. It's about replicating that feeling that you have whilst you were playing the originals into this current you know especially when you get given the gift of this being dug up from the grave yeah. you know just like i imagine that your sequels are like you said you've got really fond memories of them they're really great in your catalog you know it's something that you go back to often and and when you think oh my god that's gonna be sick they're making another one they're putting some time and effort and things into that and then it you can't really describe it because objectively it's fine but it, there's something that's lost within yourself when you're connected to that game connected to that series I think the problem for me is I've gone back and played two of those titles again in the last year or so, and they don't live up to what my memories of them are. I'm not going to, because mm. modern games have advanced so heavily in so many areas, uh, not just graphics, but like controls, um, just the way the the uh, UI is and so on. It, it's a lot cleaner in modern games for the most part. Not always, but for the most part, I would say there's been a general trend towards improving um, pretty much all facets of a game. So I don't know if it would be possible to go back and replicate my experience with the older games now, because I've been... Um, like I've got the luxury of playing modern games. I can't turn back time. 15, mm. 20 years at this stage with Rome um, and, and get those memories again. And I'm not sure they could be replicated in a modern game. So I do wonder whether my experience with these older titles means I can't really enjoy the new ones as much. But equally, I can't go back and enjoy the old titles anywhere near as much now because I've played modern titles, which are more up to date and just feel better to play. Um, there is an element to this. I, as much as you know, it gets joked about, but I miss all the big games, often strategy ones. There's a few big stra strategy games I've missed in the past, and I've played a couple of the more recent uh, games recently. I can't say because redacted, um, but it, I don't run into the same problems. I can't go any more into it because I'll give away what it is, but I don't run into anywhere near the same problems. So I feel that reinforces my theory there. But for me personally, it won't be the same for everyone else. But um, I, I just feel that I'm kind of stuck in a loop where I can't enjoy the mod more modern iterations because of my memories of the older titles and what they mean to me and how much I enjoyed them and 
how important to me they were when I was younger. And I can't really divorce the older title from the newer titles, but um, like the, the new titles just don't live up to it. But equally, I can't go back and mm. play the old ones because they just don't feel anywhere near as good anymore. So because I, I played the new you ones, you make a good point. You make a good point about like those memories of that thing, and that's the thing with me is like I cried when I hit the title screen because I was buzzing. I was absolutely buzzing, and everything was different. It wasn't even like oh my god this is so new and exciting oh my god and then you can do this and then you can do that and oh my god that's still the same and then oh my god it was kind of like i was jumping into a 2023 rpg game untitled redacted kind of thing that's what it kind of felt like i went from like ultimate high to be really excited about what had changed and what was modernized and to be doing some really muscle memory stuff which i thought they would at least include or just have some that some of the stuff feel the same and I just got sadder as I went on. I must have looked like some fucking sad puppy that had been kicked in the face about four <laughs> hours later. Out of interest, what are your favourite modern RPG titles? Um, I, That's I've the thing, I don't really play them anymore. I've okay. played DOS. I've played, um, obviously, BG3 now. Um, but my love was with the series... Um, not necessarily the genre. I do love RPGs. Yeah. I'm absolutely desperate to play Disco Elysium. Um, but it for me, it was the series, not the not the genre itself. It was like I I love an RPG every now and then. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, when you if you want to like PlayStation console, like Mass Effect is a good example of I guess a quote unquote modern RPG, albeit yeah. like it's sort of loose, I guess. Um, and I've played them, but just nothing ever really hit the spot. And so it was one of those kind of like high in the sky things when they released uh, the trailer for BG3. Yeah, I um, I will be getting BG3 eventually, but it's not going to be for a while. Um, in terms of modern RPGs, I've played, I've played Pathfinder Kingmaker, played a little bit of Divinity Original Sin 2. And I've played yeah, a played good that. quantity of Pillars of Eternity too. I've not played the first row. I'd um, be interested when you play BG3, how you feel like it is not that you've actually played DOS too. Yeah. Because um, I uh, wonder if you can recognize DOS in, in BG, because that's just very interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, developers can develop games, but, you know, I can't think of any off the top of my head now, but like you know, X and X game, even though they're made by the same people, probably won't be very similar. But for some reason, DOS and BG is. Yeah. It, I, I, I feel Larian games... See what I'm have, saying. Have, if you showed me a screenshot from a Larian game, I would know it's a Larian game. They have a very yeah. specific art style. Yeah, um, and I guess that's what's upsetting a little bit, because DOS is that art style. Yeah. <laughs> And they've kind of like copied and pasted that over to BG. And I guess that works for some people. And I guess it's really exciting for the people who loved the idea of the trailers and caught got got their eye caught by the trailers initially. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Well, when I start playing it in about six months' time, I'll let you know when we can we Do, can revisit the conversation. Although I, I still okay. need to play Horizon first, so... Um. <laughs> Yeah, just out of interest, was there anything in, say, the lead-up to Baldur's Gate 3, whether it be trailers or previews, that you saw that made you pause or 
hundred percent. Absolutely. And I actually say that in my little 500 words that I've already, already written is that I started to have doubts. When was that? When was the, um, oh, the showcase where we were all up till like two in the morning and it had like a good five minute thing on Baldur's Gate. And it was me, you, Yog, Miles, maybe Toby and Tom. And Sean, it might have been. I don't know if it was the Game Awards. Maybe it was the Game Awards. I think they had like this really big showcase. Might have been Gamescom, actually. Um, But um, yeah, we were all up to like two, three in the morning. It was ridiculous. Um, And that they played a couple of things where they played loads of cinematic trailerist type stuff, and that was what made me go. Oh, this might not be a bonus game game, but like, and it started to worry me because the quote-unquote gameplay was them showing cinematic trailer. Now there are there are trail there are like kind of like cinematic cutscenes in. Baldur's Gate and they are of a very like top downy esque shitty like they just look like you're playing the game but you're not playing the game kind of way because I guess that's how they did cutscenes 20 years ago but this felt like like overly the other way it this was just like everything's first person oh my god there's a close-up shot of your face oh my god there's it and I'm just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> mm. it didn't it didn't sit right with me um the the combat as well is a humongous part of the Baldur's Gate um franchise. Both one and two don't have turn based combat despite it being a D D game. Um I think the two and one follow one and I might you know, you'd have to fact check me, but I think it I think it follows the third edition of D D and Baldur's Gate three actually follows the eighth edition of D D. Um the, the rules, so to speak, the board game rules. Or the tabletop rules. Um, but one and two aren't turn-based. And so there's a lot of strategy. And if you press the space bar, you could pause. I can't fucking tell you how many fucking times I've tried to pause fucking Baldur's Gate 3 at the moment. because I, But you can't pause it because really the game doesn't need to be paused because it's turn-based combat. But still, I like <laughs> to pause to get my surroundings. Um, and because pausing, I, I, do you know what? If I'd have like actually like key spied my keyboard when I play Baldur's Gate 2, it, you're in the thousands. Um, and there's so much strategy to be had because you can pause the game, you can look at your surroundings, you can be like, right, that kid can go over there and he's going to go behind that bush and he's going to range arrow that guy over there because he's weak or he's at the back and he's a mage and he's got the range on him. This guy's going to go over here and just like slam the fuck out of him. That my mage is going to take a step back, so I'm going to put my mage all the way back there. You can't do that with Baldur's Gate 3. If you move one of them, they all fucking follow. It's fucking infuriating. And to do that for the first ever battle, oh my god, I want to, I want to put my fist through the computer because I was like, what, I can't move any of my characters singly. And then you find out that you can, but it's really finicky and fiddly. And everything that you try and do that's like slightly similar to the older games, it takes a fucking year. And it's like this wasn't that hard. Like you've you've turned like a formula that's worked really well for about four hundred hours and made it like a fucking meal 
like an actual meal to eat um so when I found out it was time-based I was not happy in sight because I was like oh that's just gonna take so much of the formula and the strategy and the gameplay and the fun with co-op that you do because they even had like a formation map of like almost like how you um I guess like formate your players on FIFA like what formation would you like your characters to battle in and they used to have that in Baldur's Gate and it's very important where my fucking character went I tell you that because I was always the ranger I was always like a druid or I was cleric or I was like I always had a ranged weapon so when I was playing with my best friend in co-op I'd be like you can smash it in the face I'll sit back in and then I'm sometimes a mage and can't do any of that in Baldur's Gate 3 and I just think well we've already had 400 hours where we can so why did you change it? <laughs> and then I'm thinking like okay well that's fine okay fine modernization time-based tactics fine come whatever I'll go over that and then it was everything else I couldn't go over and it was just like fine if you're going to change it, you know one massive mechanic of the Baldur's Gate games like leave it there because you're already going to start a conversation about that alone but it was just then, it just kind of didn't stop. So yeah, I'd... so when I saw the trailers... On. Uh, I'd be really interested. Sorry, it was me again. I'm really sorry. Yeah, that's right. um, no, so... but this is your jam, Yog. It's good to hear your opinion because you are like a RTS RPG dude. So Pathfinder Kingmaker, I believe it was. I can't remember the order it was in, but I think it started off turn-based and then they added an option for a real-time mode later on. I would be mm. really interested to see whether Baldur's Gate would ever implement something similar uh, free. Apparently, I mean... Pathfinder is very similar to Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. So my friend refuses to play BG3 because he's read the stuff that's very similar. It was interesting because when I got it, he was like, no, I'm still on Pathfinder um, um, and I want to wait until there's more races and things like that. And he even said, even from the outlook, Baldur's Gate 3 looks a lot, lot, lot more shallower. So he's really into Pathfinder and he said... um. It's very similar, actually, the way it plays. So that's really interesting. Pathfinder so is possible. is excellent, but it can be very hard to get into. And my mm. God, do campaigns take a long time as well? And if you and put that's a flavor Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Um, if, if you put a foot wrong, you can like uh, change your story quite heavily in a couple of locations as well. Um, and that's exactly the same with Baldur's Gate as well. Like you would never get the same same game twice, and even sometimes for random reasons as well. Like sometimes even when you it was like all the characters knew what you were doing at all times. Like you could like travel the woods for ages, and someone would go, "This is really fucking boring. I'm out. I'll see you later." And then you could like reload <laughs> the game and then not do it, and then they wouldn't leave, and you'd be like, "Bitch, you just fucking got well stressed at me for like walking around the forest." Um, and that that essence has gone from it as well. It it, it feels very like robotic and stiff and rigid in Baldur's Gate Three, whereas like two and one, it felt like anything could happen at any time. And they do somewhat have the essence of anything can happen, but it's based on dice rolls, not based on the characters or the gameplay. So, so you're at the whims of the dice gods as opposed to at the whims yes. of an organic story where events absolutely. take place. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a really game-changing element in itself. And so you put that with the time-based combat, with the not being able to fucking pause, with that. They're not even edge padding as well, man. Edge padding was like a big thing because you needed to know your surroundings at all times because you got hoofed in the face. Your character's dead forever. But with this one, your character's not even dead. They're just downed. But right, well, you've changed that now as well. Oh, oh, I could go on forever and it'd be very, very boring. But yeah. essence, keep fucking essence. Yeah, essence I is hard to pin down. 
I don't care what the essence is. Let's make it look somewhat similar. Put it in the same color palette. Don't put rather large cinematic cutscenes. Don't have my character render for two seconds at a time. You know, every time they have a conversation. That's the thing. It's like really dialogue heavy. And every dialogue means a cutscene, which was, you know, it was the, the other two were very dialogue heavy. Um, but we didn't have a cutscene every time. And then to watch my character render into the cutscene for two seconds and do the same exact movement. It's so immersion breaking. Oh, how does it run? That's my how character. Does it, how does it run on your laptop? Is it all groovy? Beautifully. Beautifully, yeah, absolutely. It's it's golden. Okay, so from a technical lovely. standpoint, it's uh, it's solid. Then technical standpoint, solid. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, that's been really interesting because I think that mo- moving forward, there is there's so many remakes and remasters and stuff coming out that um it is it is important to find that balance, and um I just hope that down the line um. Baldur's Gate perhaps can maybe ship shaped into something that the fans actually were expecting. But uh, I don't know, the popularity seems seems that it may not be the case. But Nope, they'll make a Baldur's Gate 4 that will be the essence of Baldur's Gate 3, but not really the essence of 201. Frankly, oh. um, just from a financial perspective, I'm not sure whether it's even worth it for them, though. Um, <laughs> I know there's going to be a lot of Baldur's Gate fans of 1 and 2, but the amount of new fans they'll have brought in with 3... That's what I mean, and it's it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? That's the kind of poison ivy effect. Yeah, I I think uh, it had a Steam concurrent player count of about eight hundred and seventy thousand yesterday. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's like top ten most played games ever of all time. Literally, the only game that's had a higher one was Hogwarts Legacy. So I know. Whoop whoop. Um. How do you think it's going to do on PlayStation? How do you think it'll be like with a controller? So the first two are very difficult to play on controller because of that timed liveness of it. Mm. Um, I actually think it's going to be easier now that I've played the PC version because I didn't want the play- the PlayStation version. I've always wanted the Steam version because that's how I played the uh, one and two. I played it on PC when I had it on disc. Um and and interestingly, I just threw away my disc of Baldur's Gate 2, which is really annoying. Like, I threw away the box. It was like a proper box. Oh, I'm annoyed now. I was like, nah, it looks like shit. I'll probably, you know, it's not worth anything. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, I'm annoyed. Because um, that was like literally like three weeks ago. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I think it will probably play quite well because of the amount of cinematic cutscenes and the amount of like t- time based stuff. It's going to be easier to manoeuvre, whereas, like, I know when I played it on PlayStation all that time ago, it was really tricky to to do those kind of edge panning to pause to be able to, like, click around and click exactly where you wanted your character to go and what they wanted to do and then manoeuvre their UI, um, get into their armour, get into their inventory, what do you want to do with their inventory, how do you want them to tell that spell, do you want them to do that spell twice, once over there, once over here, do you want them to heal that person or yourself? And that was really tricky on console. Um, it still might be, but um, I think it's going to be a lot better considering the turn-based and the dialogue changes and the dice gods situation. So, mm. okay. Well, um, yeah, I think I think that wraps it up quite nicely. Um, that's a yeah, it's a fascinating uh, topic, and I'm sure we'll get back to it someday. Um, in regards to whatever remasters or remakes we can get into moving forward. <laughs> um, I don't think Red Dead Redemption is going to be one. I think that's going to be a pre- pretty much a copy and paste. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk about it another time. Um, 
But let's get into our recommendations. This is that we find something throughout the week that we want to share with you, our loyal listener, whether it be a game, a movie, a TV show, a comic book, a Funko Pop, or a guitar. I mean, who knows what it could be. Um, I didn't come to Mars at all on that last topic. So, Miles, what's your recommendation? <laughs> That's all right. I didn't, to be fair, I think it was just very interesting to listen to uh, uh, Yog and Kat talk about it. And I think, like you kind of alluded to, I think it would make like its own very good podcast topic, like as a standalone thing. Um, but for my recommendation, I'm just going to combine it with my game of the week. And it is, to no surprise, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, it's fun, really fun, but it's also a mess, like an absolute technical state. And you're well, that sounds see... familiar. Yeah, exactly. It's just par for the course for the genre, man. Like Friday 13th, Dead by Daylight, Texas, they're all the same. They come out and they're a mess. Um, so I've been playing quite a bit of it over the last kind of few days. Um, and there's a lot to like about this. And I think importantly, it's kind of different to others in the genre in that it's much more stealth focused and it's a lot more strategy and teamwork orientated than say Dead by Daylight. Um, it's very hard to get into because the game does a very bad job of a, it doesn't have a tutorial. You just have a bunch of basically slideshow videos that just tell you what to do for everything. And it's this massive hall of information. Um, which doesn't really teach you anything. Um, and also it can be quite a rough start. So basically the idea is it's four survivors versus three killers. Um, Leatherface starts in the basement with the survivors. And I've seen matches end within the first minute because Leatherface caught everybody straight away. And I was like, that is kind of broken. And then the more I played, the more I've also learned that the progression system, instead of relying just purely on perks and trying to balance how perks interact with each other, They've added a straight upgrade system. So as you put points into a character, you can upgrade their stats. So I put all of my stats into the stealth ability, which meant that I never even had to consider managing. So like when you interact with things, you like press E a certain amount of times um, and then it builds up a meter. But if you do it too much, you'll make a noise and then the killers will know where you are. So the idea is you want to balance it. And I put enough points into the stat that I never once had to stop mashing E. I could just get out of everything immediately and it meant that i escaped a match within a minute and a half um once i kind of knew what i was doing so the balance is a bit all over the place technically it's a mess one of my favorite ones is the fact that anytime a survivor was getting hit everybody would know because the frame rate would drop to like 10 like the game would just chug every time somebody was getting hit um and the matchmaking is also a bit all over the place as well but having said all that, there is something really fun about this game. So each kind of killer has like their own individual kind of um, selling point or power. Um, I really enjoy playing Hitchhiker and putting traps around the place. Um, playing Survivor is a lot more tense and suspenseful because you aren't a match for the killers um, if they catch you. You have to be stealthy. You have to be evasive. You can be a troll if you want to, but you have to dedicate your entire way of playing to doing that. Um and there's just a certain organic like chaos that breeds um, within the game. And there were some really fun moments playing this. Um, and the thing I like the most about it, it is, is that it's so team orientated and so based around coordination. You build up like a real sense of like a team ethic. And I found that during the review process, everybody was communicating. Everyone was on voice chat. Um, and I think the game will breed a lot of very supportive um, groups within the community. Um, and it's going to make it super fun. I can see so much of the potential that's going to come on the line. Um, but you do have to go into it 
a acknowledging this genre is buggy like you're not going to get away from that um and also there's not loads of content there's three maps um and i think there's five killers six survivors i think um but the nice thing is that all the cosmetics are earnable in game there's no kind of in-store uh, microtransactions as of yet um and also the price point is lower i think it's like 30 35 pounds to enter this one and i think that's a really sensible decision um so i've done a full write-up i got really into it i've had a really fun time with the game and it is one that i want to play more of um and i'm excited to see where it goes but yeah there's there's a lot of issues but if you can look past those you're gonna have a really really entertaining time with this one and i like the more horror focus on it too um a couple of times it was genuinely horrifying to be running through a basement with leatherface chasing me with a chainsaw sweet yeah it's good it's fun and uh, i want to say a big thanks to our indie partners ign for uh, <laughs> yeah. for helping out miles in some games yeah yeah it was uh very nice of them to bring me along into their little crew and uh play some matches um the matchmaking was not very good trying to solo queue on my own <laughs> um so yeah i got to mix it with some of the the big wig reviewers um and i'm even in the ign review um you can't see my name on it but i know the matches that i'm in um so yeah i'm even featured in the video gameplay which is nice i had a feeling you would be i had a feeling they would be capturing sort of every second of it as they were playing yeah um that's very cool that's very cool. obviously you kept that one to yourself miles when did you find that out today oh yeah i forgot i was gonna mention it it was on the train to be fair um and when the reviews went live um i forgot about it and then i got on the train i was like oh yeah i should watch the review if i'm in it somewhere um and yeah there was a couple of matches where i'm in the match um but yeah, you don't like see me or you won't see my name. So you wouldn't know it's me anyway. But it's a cool little, I guess, factoid, I guess. You know it's you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, have, I, I I can remember those times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice one. Um, I have it installed. So um, yeah, you can drag me through it sometime. I was going to say, we will have to uh, like voice chat up because your first match is hellish. So I will try my best to guide you through it. <laughs> nice. Um, if you're wondering, uh, how the hell did Mars get with OGN? Basically, um, he was playing it way before the game actually came out, so the servers were only on for reviewers. And um, as Miles said, he was having a hard time finding a game, um, and they got thrown in with some IGN guys. And uh, yeah, sometimes that happens. It's 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 wild. Oh, they, were, they were very nice. Little charity case. They they felt sorry for you. They pulled you in from the rain. They were like, "There, there. Have a hot cup <laughs> of cocoa and grab a game controller." You poor little homeless reviewer. <laughs> they're they're young, young, young English yeah, through. Yeah, they were very nice. To be fair, they were lovely people, and um, I think they regretted bringing me in when I started playing killer matches and actually getting good with Hitchhiker because then they kept getting caught in my traps. <laughs> so I think they uh, ended up regretting their choice. So uh, I earned my right eventually. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit like. Like you almost feel a bit out of place. Like, oh my god, I just do this like in my part time whenever I can, and you guys do this for a living. Um, and also, the the meme of particularly for IGN reviewers, um, it's a bit of a meme of like, oh, they don't play games or they're not very good at them. Nah, ain't fucking true, man. The guy who reviewed the game, he was a beast. I he was the one with Leatherface who killed every survivor like immediately. Um, and when I played a killer match against him and he was a survivor, he escaped and none of us even had a sniff of him, like didn't even like catch a glimpse of him in the match. And he disappeared within like two minutes. I was like, you're a beast. I don't know how you do this. So, um, yeah, 
It's uh, it's not true. They're very good at games. Very good. There you go. We are smashing theories all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, all right, awesome. Um, your dog. Your recommendation this week. Uh, my recommendation this week is this website called Fingergons. Hey. Uh, they review games. Uh, they are just a really good website to catch all your indie goodness on. Uh, but they also have bigger titles too. And uh, yeah, they do a podcast each week, I believe, as well. Yes, they um, sure do. Which I recommend giving a listen. It's quite fun. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my recommendation. <laughs> what what's the what what's the host of the podcast like? Is that of interest? Uh, I think the post is pretty cool. He's wrong about a couple of things, especially did something called Mario, something called Rabbits as well. But Don't like in, in general, he's a really cool dude. Mm. Handsome, fun. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. All of those. Yeah, amazing. Well, yeah, I I, I recommend them to Thinking Guns is pretty tight. Uh, five, six years down the line, whatever it is now, I can't even remember. Uh, strong as ever. Great recommendation. <laughs> yeah, what's your recommendation for the week? Uh, my recommendation is um, a little show called Firefly Lane on Netflix. I just finished it last night. It was very good. It's based on a book. Um, and this is about two best friends who have grown up together um, but are at very different stages in their life. One of them kind of followed her dreams in a career um has like a really difficult childhood because her mum's like essentially a drug addict and um she kind of ends up being like backing and forthing between the trials and tribulations of her mum um whilst also having the nerdy best friend who's like the a star student um and something that it does really really well is that Catherine Heigl and um Sarah Chalk, who is Elliot from Scrubs, play the older versions um, and the middle-aged versions of these best friends. Um, and then you have two different characters who play the younger versions, and you can see them when they're 15, you see them when they're like 20, you see them when they're 30, and then you see them now. And um, it kind of flashes back and forward, uh, depending on the storyline and what they're going through, and then the context of why that's so important to them, or why that's important, and see them get married, and you see their heart breaks and you see them like fuck school up or get high for the first time it's just a very lovely heartwarming show and at first it feels like a bit of a soap um and i guess it, it kind of is in that sense but like actually then there's a little bit of drama a little bit of sadness a little bit of fun and you get to see all this wonderful fashion from the 80s and 90s um and the 2000s so depending on what decade you're born in you might really really enjoy it like when they got to the 90s bit i was like oh my god i still wear my hair like that that's really funny <laughs> um you know um and you know 80s i'm sure people were watching it back in the 80s and the decor and the costume and the makeup it's really cool I'm going to miss that show because they actually cancelled it um, and then agreed that they could finish off the series and the story uh, because it is a book, so it does end. Um, so they did like an extended season two. Um, and that's why I finished. They're like an hour long. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think I smashed through the first season in the first day. 
I think it was a night and a half in Wales lost me for a whole evening and a, and a day. I couldn't stop watching Firefly and couldn't stop watching it. It's, it's not necessarily like groundbreaking drama like Great Anatomy, <laughs> but there's just something about it which was just very lovely. So I'd recommend it if you want a quick, short burst of something where you're like, oh, don't want to like commit to 16 seasons, but I do want to get my teeth into something new. Firefly Lane is perfect. Amazing. Sarah Chalk. Sarah Chalk, man. I haven't seen her in anything but Scrubs. Sarah Chalk, man. And she's really, really good in this. And I'm going to keep an eye on the awards. I can't, I don't know when it particularly ended. I think it actually ended earlier this year. But I'd really be intrigued to see if she wins any awards um, because mm. she's very, very good in it. And obviously, she plays herself um, in um, like 20s version, 30s version, and 40s version. Um, it's only the other two actors that play like the school versions, but they I don't know how they do it, but they do make them both look like they're in their twenties. It's just fucking fascinating. Because I was trying to be like, is it makeup? Is it like a filter over is it post edit? What is happening here? Because like when they're in like the quote unquote here and now, which is like the two thousand and two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten or something like that, like you can see that they're active that they're their age and then like you can tell when it's like 10 years prior it's very interesting um but yeah if you love sarah chalk that's definitely the show to get because she puts so much of herself into that character mm. so it's very nice to see there's a scene in scrubs that i remember where i think it was the lockdown episode and she walks in and she just had a haircut oh no, no no that's the only only scene that like... i think about with her <laughs> i actually took that haircut to a hairdresser's once it was hard was... to get a good version of it, like on a still, but it was amazing. That that scene where she walks in with her like new bobby, blondie, spiky hair is yeah. incredible. Yeah, that was when I was like, yeah, I like women. Yeah, that's a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Good times. Anyway, uh, my recommendation. I suppose you recommend recommend some movies. Um, I finally, finally saw Across the Spider Verse this week, um, and it's just. It's just 10 out of 10. Just no notes. It's an absolute masterpiece. Um, it's my film of the year. It's absolutely perfect from beginning to end. I could not take my eyes off of it. I absolutely love the story. I loved how it ended. It makes me want to be on the Spider-Verse so, so badly. Um, it's just a perfect movie. And um, I can't... I don't understand how they did it. I don't understand how this film was made. I don't understand how they animated it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's totally confusing. What they've what they've produced, what they've created is something I've never seen before, genuinely. It's a massive step up from Into the Spider-Verse, and Into the Spider-Verse was already incredible. And so I don't know. Um in terms of sequels, I think it's the best sequel I've ever seen. And I'm throwing The Godfather Part Two and The Empire Strikes Back into that. Um it's just truly sensational. And well, I can't, there's not enough for us to describe it. I also saw uh, the Jennifer Lawrence film, No Hard Feelings. And it was fun. Oh, yeah, how was that? It was fun. You know, it was fun. It's nice to see Jennifer Lawrence actually do comedy because it's obvious that she would be a great comedic actress, but she's done, she did like a series of real serious shit for years and years and years. Um, So to see her do just a, like a balls to the wall romantic comedy um, it was a lot of fun. And she's great in it. She's really, really great in it. Um, the guy is a, probably um, the standout. He's fantastic. I can't remember his name, um, but he's uh, he's a brilliant actor. 
and he can really go sort of toe to toe with Jennifer Lawrence. I've not seen him in, in anything else. Um, Andrew Barth Feldman is called. Um, he plays Percy, and yeah, it's a great film. I was not expecting uh, full frontal Jennifer Lawrence nudie nakedness. Um, that was a surprise, uh, but you know, can't complain. Pleasant one. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun if you're looking for an hour and a half just to kill. Um, and you're missing rom-coms because rom-coms don't seem to be getting made anymore. Uh, so it was nice to see just a flat-out comedy for a change because I feel like I haven't seen one in years. Um, so it was really, uh, you know, it's not anything. It's not going to change your life, but it was a lot of fun for what it was. Um, so yeah, that's coming to digital uh, this week. So check it out. Um, right then, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Don't forget, if you want to follow us, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Just go to the link tree in the description below to find us in all the places. If you want to follow us on Twitter or X, you can. Just look for at F-N-G-R-G-N-S. We are also on threads at finger underscore G-N-S if you want to follow us on there. If you really like what we do, want to follow us on Patreon for one dollar a month, you can keep this podcast live on its various podcast hosting services. And keep the website nice and shiny. I just stressed, you can't follow Mars on Twitter or Threads or X. I forgot that bit, but there it is. Okay, it's very important to note because people go looking for Mars, can't find him. He's not on there. He's a social prior to bloody nightmare. But there we are. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us next week for more Finger Guns Gaming Goodness. But until then, it is goodbye from your dog. Officer Tenpenny. No, oh, Christ alive. I swear to fuck. How? <laughs> it's goodbye from Cat. Hello. <laughs> and it's goodbye from Mr. Mars Thompson. Uh, bonjour from the Social Pariah. Bonjour from the Social Pariah. It's a great name for an album. I might, I might steal that. Um, until next time, I've been Roscoe, and this has been the Think Me Guns podcast. Mm-hmm.